You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Fifteen years ago today, I preached my first sermon here. First Sunday of August, 2004. I was on assignment from the the Greenwood Vineyard to come out here and, and... Preach the month of August, and I haven't stopped. So getting ready to start the 16th year today, so that's fun. This is the longest I've ever been anywhere. I've been with Debbie longer, but that's, that's about it. <clears throat> We're looking at Acts chapter 4, and just to review last week, You know, it actually begins in chapter 3 with the healing of the lame man that was lame from birth. We find out even today, scriptures, that it was, he was 40 years old. And and this incredible miracle that happened by Peter and John as they were heading to the place of prayer uh, just brought a wonderful opportunity for the proclamation of the gospel with all the people that were in the courtyard that day. And so as they did that, the religious leaders, they didn't like it. And so they arrested John and Peter and put them in jail overnight. And we're going to pick up the story today where they come before them. And so now they're coming before the Sanhedrin. They're coming before the the high priest and his family. And as as he comes, uh, we we see that he he makes his proclamation once again to them. He, He shares the essence that, you know, my paraphrase, you guys really blew it. You didn't recognize the Messiah. Instead of honoring him as the sent, holy, anointed one from God, you killed him. You crucified him. He puts it right there in front of their faces. Totally bold. And they, then he goes on to explain that if you want to know how this man who was absolutely crippled for 40 years and you saw him all the time because he's at the temple gate beautiful and he's begging for alms every day. If you want to know how he got healed, it's by the power that comes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you crucified. <laughs> okay? They can't argue with that. They don't know what to do. So... Now we pick up in verse 15. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to no longer to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But, I love divine buts. But, Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. 
the Passion Translation says, they couldn't find a law that they had broken. <laughs> they hadn't broken any laws, so they couldn't figure out how to punish him. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had to say. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for releasing the Holy Spirit to us. Holy Spirit, we give you honor and we give you place. Open our ears and our eyes and our hearts that we might hear what you're saying to the church today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? The religious leaders are, are in a quandary. They're, they're really in a difficult spot. What, what are they going to do? How are they going to resolve this? The guy is standing right there. How do you argue with the miracle that is before you? Mm. So they don't know what to do. So they, they, they realize everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they've done an outstanding miracle. That's a given. Everybody's picking up on it. This is spreading through the city. They had the whole night. Remember, after the miracle took place at three in the afternoon, the day before, then Peter and John spend the night in jail, and now they come before the Sanhedrin. This thing has spread throughout of all, all, the whole city of Jerusalem. They all know about lame Larry. Lame Larry's walking. And, and they understand that is a miracle because everybody in the city knew about him. <clears throat> they realize that they can't deny what's, what's right there in concrete fact. You can't deny the reality of what is standing there next to these two apostles. You can't deny that there is a great healing. <laughs> but they've got a problem. Jesus already came in just a while ago and got the whole city in a stir. And now these guys are, are even stirring it more. They got to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people. So how are you going to do it? Well, you're going to have to use the kingdom of darkness tactics. 
You're going to have to come, you're going to have to come in agreement with the kingdom of Satan if you're going to try to stop what God's kingdom is unleashing. <laughs> and so how do you do that? You do it the way the enemy does. Intimidation. Intimidation is a form of witchcraft. It is the craft of trying to control another person through your strength or power by the threat that you represent. And so here they are as the highest court, religious court in the land, and they look to these ignorant disciples, these fishermen, and they're telling them, stop it. And they warn them that they must speak no longer to anyone in this name. What name is that? Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> so they're brought back in and they are commanded with all the intimidating force that the Sanhedrin can muster, the high priest, and they're commanded not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus ever again. Now, Peter and John's had many opportunities to think of the consequences of what is going on. I don't know if while they're, in the, while they're in the jail cell, if they have a dream or if they have an angel or if the Lord comes to them and, and talks with them about what's going to happen, but they have a lot of time on their hands. And I think that they're spending it in fellowship with the Lord. Because if they weren't, if they were doing like some of us would do, we'd be thinking, <clears throat> let's see, uh, Last time we were in this situation and this little uh, religious court gathered together, that's when they condemned Jesus. Uh, yeah, that didn't go well, did it? No, he was scourged, he was whipped, he, he was hit, he was struck, he was almost unrecognizable unre in, in the suffering and the beating that, and the punishment that he took. Okay, so they, they remember. I'm sure the enemy's trying to refresh their minds. Remember what that was like? And they still don't like him. They're still upset because of the report that he was raised on the third day. And they're still upset with us because we're the ones that are announcing that he was raised on the third day. And they are really disappointed that we're continuing to proclaim the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So... Do you think there might have been any kind of influence to just say, today let's just play it easy. Let's not make any waves. Let's not draw undue attention. Let's make sure that we just kind of go in the path of least resistance and we play it safe today and we just get through the day with our heads still attached without being condemned or ready to be crucified to be the next sacrifice. And so they have some time, and they have some time. They're thinking about this, but Peter, Peter just has to respond. Peter and John respond. They say, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. We're starting to see the impact of living three years with Jesus. We're starting to see the impact of the miracle of the resurrection that's having we're starting to see the impact of what happens in the post-resurrection appearances, those wonderful times with Jesus when he shared with them about his kingdom and what was going to take place. 
you, you see the impact of the restoration of Peter from his denying the Lord three times and being restored three times by the Lord Jesus by the sea. <laughs> you see that this is starting to have an effect. This is down. This is not just an ideology that they chose to embrace. This is a reality all in existence for them. They've committed everything because they believe, they've seen, they've heard, they know the truth. The problem for many of us is that we've, we've accepted things based on a teaching, based on an instruction, based on a sermon. We, we've accepted stuff based on hearsay. Someone gave a testimony, somebody gave a witness, somebody shared about Jesus with us and we believed it and we received it. But there's a difference between just believing it and receiving it intellectually and experiencing the encounter of the living Christ and having him take up residence inside your heart. When that happens, no one can intimidate you, no one can seduce you, no one can manipulate you because you know what you know because you have encountered the living God. And as a result of that, you're forever ruined for all the ways of this world and all the ways that the kingdom of darkness tries to manipulate and make good look bad and bad look good and all the other kind of ways lies get substituted for truth. It becomes clear. And Peter and John are so sure, they say, judge for yourselves. Who are we gonna obey? You guys? Or are we gonna obey God? Heads up, choose God. Yeah. Go on God's side. <clears throat> Reminds me of a time in the early days of the vineyard when John Wimber was sharing with, with the church at Anaheim, the vineyard there, after the Holy Spirit had broke out and everything had gotten kind of messy this nice, neat little church that was pursuing the things of the kingdom in a very decently and orderly way. And when everything, when all heaven broke loose and the Holy Spirit broke out and it got all messy and John went to the scriptures and he was looking at the, what the word had to say and he saw that there was there in the word and he got friends from far away called and said, John, that was the Lord. That was the Lord, what had happened in the, in the church on Mother's Day. That was the Lord. And as that happened, John realized he never, ever, ever wanted to be on the side that was against what God was doing ever again. And so there was, there was something at the, at the very beginning and the birth of our movement that said, we want, if we're going to err, we're gonna err on the side of God. That's a good way to err, don't you think? Yeah. If, if we're gonna make a mistake, don't believe what I say, let's believe what God says. Let's follow what he says, what he's doing, what he has chosen for us. And so I love that. For we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. We can't, we can't. And if you haven't seen and heard it, position yourself to see and to hear. Open your heart and invite the Holy Spirit to bring the reality of the living Lord Jesus 
front and center right before you so that you can see and so that you can hear and so that you can know that you know that you know that he is God and that he's alive and that he loves. Oh. So they get released. They try the scare tactics. They try the intimidation. They threaten them all they can. Uh, later, we're going to see in the book of Acts that sometimes they even whipped them and, and, and gave them some form of punishment and then released them. But here, they couldn't do any of that. They just had to release them. So what happens when you're released? <laughs> they went back to their people. They went back to all the believers. They got the believers together. How many now? 5,000? 5,000? Yeah. 5,000. And that's just counting the men. How many women and children? 5,000 is probably more like 15, 18,000. So they get together, they meet, they share, they report all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And then we see what, what are we going to do? What are all the believers going to do in light of all of this? <clears throat> they raised their voices together in prayer to God. The very first thing they did is they focused on God. They looked to God. They looked to him beyond just the God of Jerusalem. They looked at him as the creator of all creation. <laughs> Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. <laughs> They acknowledge him as the creator, the almighty. He's not a regional deity. He is a deity over the universe. He is God of gods. <laughs> you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And here, here we hear one of the Psalms of David being quoted. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Whoa. Hmm. Why? In Psalm 2, God just laughs. He laughs at the puniness of, of the enemy's attempt to think that he can overthrow his kingdom through human means. Hmm. Here's where we see in the scripture that they're really catching on. They're really understanding now why Jesus had to suffer everything that he suffered. Before they couldn't. And it made it so difficult at the, at the resurrection to believe that Jesus was really raised from the dead because they'd never seen it before. Because they never quite could understand the things that Jesus had told them before they happened. They couldn't understand it until they happened and then after they happened, the Lord came and revealed to them how they applied to him. And now they see it so much so that all the believers, as they're together and as they're praying, they're kind of sharing the sovereign plan of God in their prayer. And so in their prayer, they're saying, Indeed, Herod, Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. Remember, it's, it's the Christ, it's the anointed one that they hate. And still today, 
the world doesn't care if you just think Jesus is a good man, a good moral teacher, if he was a prophet, long as you don't believe that he was the anointed one, the one upon whom the spirit rested without measure, because that is the means by which he did his miracles, his healings, and that's how he confounded the wisdom of, the, of this age. I love it. <clears throat> they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Wow. They're starting to understand what looked like a total out of control chaotic event in the crucifixion of Jesus was something that the father had known and was allowing in his sovereignty to take place. It was part of the plan. <clears throat> so now, their prayer shifts. They do that historical reminder. They're praising God. They're looking at what God, they realize the threat that's there. And, and so now they say, and now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us. Okay? They harmed the Messiah. They harmed your son. They harmed the Lord Jesus Christ. They crucified him. And now we are proclaiming in him the resurrection. And now their intention is to harm us. So now, Lord, listen. Hear. And this is what they request. Oh, Lord, please protect us. Don't let us die. Don't, 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 don't let them beat us up. Don't let them hit us. Don't let the rocks get flying towards us. No, they say, empower us. In light of all of this, their prayer is now, Lord, in, in light of that they are coming to harm us and the evil one is coming to harm each one of us. He hates you. He, you have an adversary. He hates you and he will try to do everything he can to kill, steal, and destroy anything he can get from you. Now empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. That's the Passion Translation. Freely and courageously. NIV says, with great boldness. I like them both. Lord, give us great boldness as we speak your word. Mm. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal. Ah. Look to your neighbor and say, do you know you have power to heal? Yeah. That the Lord wants to stretch his hand through you to heal? Huh. Yeah. Hmm. To move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. Well, you can't really get much more of a kingdom message than what we have in chapter four of Acts. Here, it, here it's all laid out in a prayer that the early church believers were praying. And I believe that prayer was recorded and documented to give us an example of how we're to pray. What are we to believe God for? What are we to believe God for? When, when harm is coming toward us, what are we to believe God for? Huh. The evil one intends to harm you. 
Lord, empower us as your sons and daughters. Empower us to speak your word with freedom, with courage, with great boldness. Stretch out your hand through us to heal. Let your miracles come. And may we be the agents by which your power flows through to do the miraculous. I don't know if you've ever had a hidden desire when you watch the Exodus with Charleston Heston and he takes the rod of God and he parts the Red Sea. If, if, if you ever, when, when you watch that, if anything rises up in your spirit and says, oh God, where's my Red Sea? What is it that you want to part? What, what's, a, what's a miracle that you want to me to partner with you in seeing released in the earth? You know, there's so many miracles, so many miracles happening all the time. Some of them is, you know, simple little things, but things that would never happen without God is a miracle. The way you think has shifted from the way you thought yesterday. And as that shift, that is a miracle. That is a miraculous move of the Holy Spirit upon your mind. You have been given the mind of Christ. You are now miraculously appropriating the thoughts that come from the mind of Christ. You have a heart that's been hurt and wounded, offended, sinned against, and you have the ability to let bitterness sit in. Think of retaliation. Think of ways of getting back, payback. But there is a miracle of what God does in the human heart when we realize how much he's forgiven us and we realize of all the ways that he and his loving kindness has been extended to us, it makes it then allowable for us to receive his heart toward others, especially those who have wronged us and to release forgiveness. <clears throat> That's miraculous, folks. Sure enough. That's miraculous. When that happens and that changes, it, it postures us to be in a position that we can see and experience more and more of the spiritual kingdom dimensions of reality here on earth. Sign me up. I, I, I want to, does anybody else want to see more? You, you want to experience more? You want to be used of the Lord to release more of his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? Oh, it is so good to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. That's a good prayer, I think. When they prayed that, God must have liked it. I think he started tapping his foot. And the place they were meeting was shaken. There was a physiological tremor. The building shook. You could say, well, that's a coincidence. It was an earthquake. Well, the earthquake, that's for sure. The place they were meeting was shaken. And here's what happened. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and spoke the word of God boldly. <clears throat> they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. I love that. So you hear good testimony. Peter and John come. They tell what the Lord did, how they stood up at the Sanhedrin and how this guy got healed and people, you know, now we've got, you know, 5,000 believers and we've got such a, a wonderful happening stuff that's just taking place. And they get together, they share the testimony. They all decide to just start praying and acknowledging God as God over all of the universe, over all of creation. They get in and they, they release that. And they have, oh, and they reflect. They reflect on all he's done. And then they get serious about, Lord, we, we need. Now, they intend to harm us. We need to be empowered by you. We need the empowerment that you have for us. Ah. Stand all night. So that we can preach, so that we can speak the word of the Lord with boldness, mm. so that we can see your power flow through us for healing, mm. so that we <laughs> can be used in signs and wonders partnering with you. I call that a good morning. Oh yeah. That was a good day. That was worth a night in jail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's not just the prayer. It's what happens after the prayer. After they've positioned themselves and they've they've declared what they believe, which we we do that every Sunday. We declare what we believe. But then they had to position themselves to receive the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Well, I thought they got filled on the day of Pentecost. Oh, they did. They all got filled again. Peter and John got filled with the Holy Spirit again. The 2,000 new believers they got filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, possibly. They all were filled with the Holy Spirit mm. and spoke. Oh, I, I just want to get filled with the Holy Spirit so I can feel good inside and go home and cook and clean and do all this and just me and the Holy Spirit having a good time. No, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> And they spoke the word of the Lord boldly. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you now. We invite you to come. <clears throat> we believe the Holy Scriptures. And we believe the Holy Spirit. And we believe, Lord, that these things are not burdensome to repeat before us. Doesn't matter how many times we've heard this kind of message, Lord, it always positions us before you that we have an opportunity to align ourselves to receive a fresh infilling of your presence, your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill each one here? <coughs> fill us, Lord. <coughs> and may the manifestation of, of, of that 
filling be how we speak your word, how we're able to bless, how we're able to partner with your heart for the needs and the concerns around us. Let us prophesy your kingdom, your love, your greatness. Let your majesty be here among us and may we take it to the nations. May we take it outside the building. May we notice how quick you are to confirm the truth of your word in the marketplace as we go about our daily lives. I say, Lord, let today be a day in which we decree here that life will never be the same. That today, Lord, let there be a memorial raised, a standard, a setting of a stone, a planting of a staff, a moment in time and space where we say, Lord, we're no longer no longer going to give just intellectual belief consent, but it is our desire to see the reality of your kingdom flow in to us and through us. And may your kingdom and all its glory come. For we ask it in Jesus' name. So what are we going to do? Raise our voices, acknowledge the threats that are coming against us, pray for empowerment that we can speak, heal, and move in signs and wonders. Allow the shaking of the Lord to come. <laughs> something that happens to us, it's not something that we make happen. Receive the filling of the Holy Spirit and then speaking the love of God, speaking what he puts in our hearts. Worship team's gonna come and play. We wanna move, <clears throat> and as they're singing this, allow the Holy Spirit to come and to move upon you, and as he does, enjoy his wonderful, wonderfulness. And then as you've received and enjoyed that, start giving it away. Find out what, what are the needs of those around you that you, can, that you can partner with, that you can speak into, that you can come in agreement. What is it that Jesus wants for your neighbor? <laughs> what is it that he's pursuing today? I pray that the day will be a day of transformation, that the Lord would move upon us in such wonderfulness that we will forever be ruined for anything but him. God bless you. Let's stand as uh, the worship team leads us. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.